There's no place like home. I grew up in a military family. My stepdad retired, United States Air Force. Shout out to all those who have served in the military, yes. But growing up as a military brat, understand that it was hard for me to, to get this idea of home uh, when we had, were constantly on the move, right? Uh, I've lived in many different houses, but few of them I'll call a home. One of those homes, though, that I, that I, it's just memorable to me, is 205B 14th Street. Y'all like, yo, you remember that? Yeah, I remember that because it was such a memorable time for me, a season for me. Uh, 205B 14th Street was a 800 square foot house. Some of y'all don't realize, like, that's, that's a small house, okay? 800 square foot house, duplex on Hickam Air Force Base, Hawaii. Like, it was such a great house, and there's no place like home. And many people have asked me, well, why is that place special to you? Well, what you need to understand is, when I was five years old, my mom remarried to my stepdad, uh, Tony, and this was the first house that we lived in. And so it has so many different memories. Now, some of those memories are good, some of those are bad. Like, I have some really good memories of playing baseball in the backyard with my dad, but I also have some bad memories of in the humid Hawaii raking leaves. Do we even rake anymore? These young kids got it good. Just, you don't even rake anymore, right? But raking leaves and mowing the lawn in my dad's, like, really big, large military boots, and my calves are just sweating while I'm doing this, right? I have good memories of, of my parents throwing like these massive like family parties at, at our house every week. See, in Hawaii, every Friday was called Aloha Friday. And Aloha Friday was this. We ate and ate and ate. That's why we're so big as Hawaiian people. We just eat every week. Like it's just, y'all like, why are you so big? Yes, we eat, okay? And every Friday we would invite our friends and family like 50 people, 50 people in this 800 square foot house. Like, I don't know if you guys understand, like that is, we're on top of each other, okay? But I also remember at one of those parties that I faked being asleep because my mom thought it was a great idea for me and my stepsister to do a lip sync drama thing of Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's One Sweet Day. And I was just like, nah, sorry, I'm sleeping. Like, I was like, I'm not going to embarrass myself. I remember just playing darts every night with my dad on the back porch. And I also remember, apparently, how I used to sleepwalk from my room into the kitchen and I peed in the refrigerator. Like, I did all, have all these memories. There's no place like home. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go back to 205B 14th Street and and I, I remember walking up the sidewalk, and I didn't realize back in 1994, man, that's, that's a Tupac song right there, right? Back in 1994, I, uh, we, uh, they were redoing the sidewalk, and we actually carved our names in the sidewalk. So I'm walking up to this house, and I saw my name. I'm like, whoa, all these memories started to flood my way. But can I just be honest with you, as I, like, we're taking photos, if you show the photo, I was taking photos and, and, and video of me being back at 205B 14th Street. 
I, I, I enjoyed being outside the house, but a lot of the memories happened inside the house. So I wanted to go inside the house. So I remember going up to the front door knocking. Like, anybody home? Like, anybody here? I was, I was hoping that someone would be like, hey, what's up? I was like, hey, I used to live here. Can I come in? And they were like, yeah, come check it out. No one answered. So I'm like, hey, anybody home? Like, imagine just seeing me. Like, hey, open up your door. You know, just no one answered. So I go around the house to the side window, and I'm looking in the window. Neighbors are, you know, probably looking like, what is this guy doing? I knock on the window. Anybody home? Some of y'all are like, not in my Texas house. You ain't doing that. I'm strapped to my security right here. I dare you. Like, some of y'all are ready for roundup next week. <laughs> Just, and so I, I knock on the window. No one answered. And then I walk all the way to the back of the house. And I knock on the window. Hello, anybody home? No one's there. But I saw that the window was unlocked. Now, some of y'all need to understand that perseverance is a good attribute to get you out of trouble. But oftentimes it's a attribute to get you in some trouble, right? And so what did I do? I want to go live the memories. I took off the metal screen from the window. And then I didn't just open the window. If you have this picture, I have the picture. I actually took the whole window off. And I start to climb up into my old home. Now, it's funny because my biological dad was with me, and he naturally is like a scaredy cat. And so I don't know if someone called somebody, but he heard sirens from afar, and he starts taking off running. And I'm like, now, dog, I'm here for the memories. And I climbed in the house, and I'm just walking around like, yo, this is so cool. It was so cool. There's no place like home. It was so sweet to be back in my home. Now, before some of y'all freak out, no one was living there, okay? Some of y'all are like, did our pastor just criminal trespass? Okay, there's no place like home. And today we're starting a new series, Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. Now, I have lived in many different places. Obviously, Hawaii, we moved to New Jersey. I'm here in Texas, so I don't even know what I am made up of. I'm just confused. But, but I've I lived in so many different cultural backgrounds to realize that home sweet home means so many different things to different people and different cultures. I mean, I remember from, when I, you know, from New Jersey and I moved here and people went to hug me, I'm like, whoa, what's up, dog? You know, just like, what do you mean you're hugging me? I love you. No, that's weird, you know? It means so many different things to many different people. See, some people, when they say, oh, home sweet home, you get the, the image of hey, this just good family life that you had and, and just the warmth and the comfort of your home. Some people, when we say home sweet home, unfortunately, you don't have good memories. You have painful ones. You have hurts. Maybe your home life before was, was so chaotic and and, and, and there was conflict always. Maybe, maybe relationships were not, and I say past, it could even be current. See, the thing that I noticed, like we talked last week, that sometimes people equate the Father up in heaven and, and, and see him like in a different view because of our earthly Father. It's the same way that we see the, the house of the Lord. Sometimes we equate the house of God to our previous home life and experience, or even our current one. And we have this wrong view of the house of God. 
Or maybe that's not you. Maybe at one time in your life, maybe one time in your life, you stepped into a church and you said, and they said the same thing, welcome home. And you're like, you know what? Yes, I'm going to make this my home. And whether that be conflict, issues, a difference on your opinion, difference of preferences and style, you were hurt. And the elephant in the room is a lot of people don't see the house of God in the right way because of church hurt. And so when we say home sweet home, you see welcome home and all the, all, all, on, the, on the signs and as you walk into church, you're like, the idea of creating this home sweet home at church rubs you the wrong way. Here's what I want to say, that no matter if you have grown up in a great home or maybe the thought of home kind of brings tension. If you had some church hurt, here's what I want us to understand. I want you to know that you're able, that we have an ability to trust in God, that understanding that his house is different, let alone better than any house that we have ever experienced. And the cool thing about God is that he invites us in and there is room in God's house for us. There is room in the house of God for you and for me. Turn with me today to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew is in the New Testament, and it's the gospel account of Jesus' life through the eyes of Matthew. And Matthew chapter 7 is on the back end of the greatest sermon ever taught. Like from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is preaching to thousands. This is what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And he preaches to thousands of, of what it means to, to live this, this holy life, this surrendered life to God. And then in Matthew chapter 7, at the back end, where we're about to look at today, it's the conclusion of the sermon. It's almost like his altar call. And Jesus, what he does is he compares two different houses. Actually, what he's doing is comparing two different types of people. That one house is built on a firm foundation on the rock, and another house, our lives, or people, have been built their house on the sand. Now, can I just give this caution? I know you might go to church and participate and, and show up, but let's not just deceive ourselves that just because we do some of the right things that our foundation is on the rock. I see too often we, we assume that we're good, that our house is built on a firm foundation. But in Matthew 7, right before this, he's talking to people that who, have, who has cast out demons in his name, who has uh, done so many different miracles. And when all it is done, God says, I never knew you. Depart from me. And it should be a warning to you and I that let's not assume just because we show up, we are building our house on a firm foundation. So Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Let me stop right there. Yo, I love, I love just looking at scripture and just letting it speak to us. I know some of us have probably read this, this scripture before and, and you move on to the next part. But I just want us to, to, to really like really get the concept of what it means to build your house on a firm foundation. 
Because there's something so important in just that one scripture of building our house on a firm foundation. It says this, whoever hears, whoever hears, understand that there is an importance of when you're building a strong foundation on what you hear and listen to, and what you have put inside of your life, inside of your heart. This is such a big deal. This is such a big deal because I think too often, can I, uh, can I go off for a little bit? I think too often we are so trusting of ourselves to let everything in and think that we have the ability to pick and choose what's going to really impact our life. I think we don't, we, like, we're just like, oh, we trust ourselves too much to be like, oh, I can let this in my life. It's not going to impact me. But we need to be careful on what we hear and listen to. We need to be. We need to filter. I think too often we desensitize putting evil into our life that we are not sensitive to the things that are holy. We put so much evil in us and we just, and we got to be careful what we watch, what we listen to, what we look at. And I, can I just go a step further? Parents, fathers, I mean, I, I work with student ministry. Like, not only are you building a firm foundation for you, but you are building a firm foundation for your family. I'm just going to say, and I know some stu- students and teenagers might like, get mad at me, but parents... Protect their house. Protect their foundation. Don't just say, oh, the world allows them to do that. Whoever hears, ready? And then it says, these sayings of mine. This is Jesus talking. Whoever hears these sayings of mine. See, what this, the scripture is saying is the, the hearing is the what, but the mind is the who. It's important to not just hear these sayings from different things, but it's important on who you're hearing them from. Like we can't just, oh, we can't just get our biblical truth and foundation from opinions of others. We can't just hear it from a podcast. We can't just hear it from a pastor and take that as foundation. We need to go to the source of truth. I just want to elevate God's word a little bit more in our church that this is what we need to, this is right here should be the most precious and valuable thing that we build our foundation on. It's not your feelings. It's, it's, it's not this subjective opinion. It's biblical standards and truth. It matters. See, here's the deal. I said it before, that when it comes to your opinions and what, and versus what God has said in his word, you're wrong. No amens on that one. Okay. <laughs> Not me, chocolate bear. Whoever hear these sayings of mine, and then ready, here's the kicker. Here's where people miss it. We just think, oh, man, just because I hear the words of Jesus, I have a firm foundation. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. That's what a strong foundation is built on. It's not just hearing. It's doing. It's this concept that in our faith, it's being obedient to what God is commanding. This is not new stuff. If you look at all the teachings in, uh, of Jesus' life or even look through Scripture, there's this hearing but being obedient. 
In John, when it talks about abiding with the Father, he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Whoo, we don't want to listen to that one because it addresses our selfishness. But he, he, when, when he was reconciling Peter back to him, like, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, I do. And then Jesus says, okay, feed my lambs. There was a command to be obedient. James talks about this. He says, don't be just doers of the word, or don't be hearers of the words, but be doers of the words before you deceive yourself. I think we got to get out of this American culture where we just think we can just hear and listen and not do. Man, if Jesus has really impacted your life, it's not a have to, it's a want to. You want to serve. You want to do all these things. You want to be obedient because of your love for him. Then he continues, so this is how I, I, I've really broke it down. Your foundation is a reflection of who you listen to and obey. Your foundation is a reflection of who you listen to and obey. So the foundation of your life is dependent on who are you listening to and whether or not you are being obedient to those things. Verse 24 continues, therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. I want you to notice something in this story when he compares the two houses. Storms are going to come. See, storms are going to come, so that means foundations matter. This is so important. Listen, if we didn't have storms in our life, who cares what our foundation is built on? If we didn't have rain, wind, floods coming in our life, it wouldn't matter what our foundation is built on. But the truth and reality of our life is that we will have storms, so foundations matter. But here's the problem. In our Christian culture, oftentimes we try to build foundations in the storm, not before it. Oftentimes we wait for the wind, we wait for the rain, we wait for the flood, and then we're like, okay, now I'll build a foundation, now I'll go to God's word, now I will pray. But the truth is, if you've ever been in a storm, that's not a time that you're building, that's the time you're trying to survive. And oftentimes we wait too late. My coach says this in, in, when I played football, he said, storms don't build character, it reveals it. It's the same way in our Christian walk. Storms don't build foundation, it reveals it. But the storms in your life, the tests in your life are only going to reveal either weakness or strength in the foundation you have built. Let me explain it like this because it's getting a little hot in here. You guys good? Let me explain it like this. I'm going to have some fun. I have this two-by-four that I brought with me and uh, got it from Home Depot. Just kidding, because that Home Depot is like $78, right? <laughs> I got it from the back. Well, I don't know where we had it from. <laughs> Hopefully, everything's good. <laughs> Just... I got this two-by-four, and I, I put it on the stage, on this firm foundation. Look what I can do. Whenever I put the two by four in the firm foundation, I could stand 
on the two by four? Hopefully. I got size 12 wide feet, okay? This is difficult, all right? I can walk, Woo. walk on a two by four. Hold on, check this, your boy's good. I can turn, I can turn. Come on, come on. y'all didn't give it up. Yeah, just thank you. Maybe, maybe I can jump. Oh, shoot. Hey, I feel like I'm in the Olympics, like I'm about to dismount and be like, Hey, 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 9.5, 9.5. But really, I'm able to do simple things on the two by four. Now, what if, though, I changed it being on, from on the firm foundation onto something else? What if I put this two by four on these buckets, and then, yeah, help me out. All right. Lord Jesus. All right. All right. So what if Christ is my firm, 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 the rock on. This is, uh, listen, I believe in Jesus, but I believe in gravity, too, so this is, <laughs> all right, what if I were to get on, I'm not doing it, y'all are crazy, y'all, some of y'all got your phones out like, yo, I'm about to get them, why didn't I get on this, why, because obviously the, the foundation seems kind of random, but it's separated from the firm one. See, oftentimes, whenever we separate from the firm foundation, the things that we do and that could have been natural looks a little fearful. We get a little scared. It's a little higher. Let me get practical. I mean, when this is on the ground, I can step on it. I can do the things that, if we are obedient to God's word, seem very simple. Oh, yeah, go to church. I can do that. Oh, go to small small group, belong to a small group? Oh, worship passionately? Sure. Oh, give to tithes and kingdom builders? Yes. But whenever we separate from the firm foundation, now the things that were easy become difficult. Proximity to the foundation matters. Now it's like, I want to go to church, but uh, it's been a while. And I want to worship God passionately, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of scared. I want to give and serve, but, but what if I fail? What if I can't make it? I want to belong to a small group, but if I get hurt? Proximity to a foundation Matters. And then in verse 26, it says, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them would be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. It's something interesting to note. Ready? Something interesting to note. In Scripture, it never said there was much of a difference between the two houses. Like, each house was built and complete. 
Like, it didn't say, well, house A had finished their whole house, but house B didn't finish the siding. Or house A had this type of roof, but house B, no, no, it didn't say that at all. Matter of fact, you probably could not have told, tell the difference if you're walking by. Everything looked nice. Everything probably, you know what? Both houses were probably livable. That you could probably go into each house and live there. The only difference was the foundation. I'm saying this illustration because I, I, I get concerned that so many people, they don't worry about the foundation, they just worry about what the house looks like on the outside. And we just, we make the house look nice, look livable, look like we got it all together. We show up to church to just make sure people know, oh, that it looks like everything's all right. But our foundation is on sand. So why I think Jesus warned the Pharisees, like, too many guys worry about the outside. Foundations matter. Your foundation is a reflection of who you listen to and obey. So here's the truth. If you want a home sweet home in your life, home is only sweet when Jesus is the foundation. It's only sweet when Jesus is the foundation. This goes with your family, your marriage, your finances, everything. It's only sweet when Jesus is the foundation. Now, what is true about your life is also true about the house of God. Like, we're in the house of God here. And so what I love is that the same principle, that home, this church home, is only sweet because Jesus is the foundation of Gateway Fellowship Church. Like, I, I, I'm going on 12 years this year, or this week of, of, of being on staff, and I'm grateful to be part of it. And people ask me, how are you able to have longevity? There's some practicals, but the truth is, I love being part of a church that Jesus is the foundation. That Jesus is the foundation. But I want to give some practicals for you to make this home sweet for you. See, there's a difference that I want you to understand between a home and a hotel. Major difference. See, at a hotel, a hotel, you're just visiting. You're just showing up. It's nice if you got money for the nice ones. If you go to Motel 6, then it's not nice, okay? You just got roaches everywhere. Just, it is what it is, dog. But a hotel, you show up, it's nice. They got pictures, but it ain't of your family. Just some random beach, just out of nowhere. Right? And, and you show up. You show up, you're visiting, you're there maybe for a day, a few days. But you're not committed to it. You're out once you're done. And a hotel, it's not even, it doesn't even look like some of the stuff that you like. Matter of fact, it's, none of this stuff is yours. And you don't take ownership from it. You go in, sleep, and you put that little sign like, hey, change the sheets when I'm gone. And it's someone else's responsibility to clean up. But a home is a lot different. A home is where you're comfortable. A home is where you're loved. A home is where we're together as a family. 
Now, does that mean there's conflict in the home? Yup. I got four kids. I see it all the time, right? But we're committed. We put our mark on the house. We take ownership. If you ever thrown like a party and people are coming over, you don't just invite people and do nothing, do you? What do you do? You grab the laundry and you throw it in the closet, make sure no one sees it, <laughs> clean and stuff, like do the dishes, do the dishes. We haven't done them in 12 years. Like, you know, but we're participating. There's a difference between a hotel and a home. Home is sweet when Jesus is the foundation, but home is sweet when we're united together. Hebrews 10 talks about this, to not neglect the assembling of one another. Like, it's important for us to fellowship. It's important for us to be together. Like, you know, understand there's like 50-something one-anothers, and you can't one another if you're not with one another. Right? It's simple. But I get it. I know we live in this deconstruction of church where some people are like, well, I'm just going to be the church. Can you understand that? It doesn't have to be an either or. It's an and. You can be the church and go to church. It doesn't have to be an either or. We're united together. Resolving conflict biblically. We're committed to one another. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you ever bought a home, you guys make a 30-year contract. Like, 30 years. I signed up for this home. And what would it look like if we made a 30-year commitment to the house of God? Whew, not 30 days. Home is sweet when we're united together. Home is sweet when we take ownership. It means serving. Serving in church. It's not a concept. It's a DNA. See, I think too often we say, well, we look at a big church and we say, well, they don't need me to serve. I pray that you change your perspective to say, serving is what I need. See, serving is not just so that you can get something done. It's so that you can be more like Christ. Mark 10, 45 says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom to many. Understand that when you are serving in this church, you are molding yourself to be more and more like Jesus. So serve. Take ownership. But home is sweet when you open the doors for others. It's not being selfish to say, this is my house. But to say, hey, man, who needs a home? Come in. I want to tell you this story real quick. A few weeks ago, our Velocity student ministry on a Wednesday night had like this massive baptism. Like it was incredible. We had this pool outside. Like I was ready to just go swimming. Like it was so hot. <laughs> but anyway, we had this pool and we had 20 students like publicly declare Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It was, man, it was a party. We made sure that the neighbors heard. Okay? We were loud. And what was really cool was at the end of this, at the, at the last person that baptized, I was praying because the last time we did this, I felt convicted and I told my team, I said, last time we did a water baptism, we had a lot of people come see and I wasted an opportunity. And so I asked my team, hey, be praying for tonight because I want to create an opportunity. If people are coming to see a baptism, 
I don't want them to just watch. I said, maybe, just maybe, our God is bigger and can save that night. And so at the end of the last baptism, I'm in the pool, and I start talking about the truth of sin and the truth of the gospel. And I start talking, I mean, I'm speaking bold. I'm not talking to students that are watching. I'm talking to parents and adults and uncles and aunties. Like, I was looking at them. And I remember, you guys know my spiel. Every time I do the spiel, it's the same thing. I usually count to three. It's like one, two, three, and then you respond. Can I just say, before I hit, even started counting, there was a guy in the very back named Tom. I said, man, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, and he just raised his hand. And he, he raised his hand. And then right here in the very front, there was a mom watching her daughter get baptized. And she's weeping and she raises her hand. There was an uncle over here that was coming to watch his, his niece uh, get baptized. And he raised his hand. There was a single dad that came to watch his daughter get baptized. And he surrenders his life to Jesus. But let me tell you about Tom. Because it was crazy. He wasn't even there for his kid. This one girl got baptized. She invited her friend, and her friend says, hey, Dad, I'm going to church. Can you come with me? And he gets saved right in a, in a student ministry altar call. And I, can I just tell you, this is crazy. I'm praying. I say, in Jesus' name, amen. If it wasn't two seconds, I opened up my eyes, and Tom is standing right in front of me while I'm in the pool, and he's just looking at me. I was like, uh, I'm assuming you want to get baptized. He said, yup. And so I had Javi go talk with him and pray with him. And check this. This picture, just, it, it, it's just crazy. That night. That night. All because some young teenager actually believed the gospel can transform and invited a friend who invited a parent. You never know. You never know if you would just open the door for somebody. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you opened the door for us, Lord. Thank you, God, that while we were still sinners, Lord, you made a way for us. Holy Spirit, right now, will you convict, will you move in this place? Will you do the miraculous with those who don't know you? Come to know you today. Father, thank you, God, for your word. But God, may we not just hear it. May we obey. We love you.